0: guys, welcome to the Justice for Filmmakers podcast. My name is Justice and I'm sitting here today with DP, Kevin Reyes. Um, yeah, so for me, I stumbled uh, on your stuff. Actually, I found it on YouTube. You were kind of doing a bit of a breakdown of a commercial you shot. And um, for those of you guys who don't know Kevin, he's a DP based in LA in Orange County and you do a lot of commercial work, you do a lot, a little bit of kind of music video stuff as well, and uh, yeah, dude, no, I saw some of your YouTube stuff, because you would post your work, but you also post a lot of, like, kind of tutorials, but I want to say a bit more of a uh, kind of a process, you know, kind of break down, like, all right, this is part one, part two, part three, part four um, of, like, the commercial process. Um, yeah, so for the guys who don't know, are you able to give us just kind of a bit of a background of your story, you know, like... Um, how you got into filmmaking, Um, if you're from L.A., like if you moved over there, um, and kind of what drew you into cinematography specifically.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So, yeah, born and raised in Southern California, L.A. for the most part. And uh, I guess the start of it for me, it's a little unconventional. Um, Didn't go to film school. I didn't really get into film or video stuff until I was like... I don't know. I think I was twenty. Well, what's the? It's two thousand one now. So I started in about two thousand sixteen. so about five years ago, mm-hmm. and I started with. Uh, I had been working in like retail for my entire life, um, my entire working life at least. And um, I worked at Apple for about five years, like the re- the retail store as a, <laughs> a genius people call oh, it. It's um, a little pretentious name. I worked at the Genius Bar. The genius
0: Bar. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so definitely not a genius, but yeah, that was a really good uh, place for me to kind of learn um, a lot of the stuff that I I, I use now, uh, more customer facing, a little bit more of the intangibles. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I kind I got this opportunity with this tech slash um, like it's a, it was like a health company. Uh, had nothing to do with film. Um, But I met someone at the Genius Bar one day and they brought in their computer and he was the guy helping this office with their computers. And uh, we got to chat and he said, hey, this my office is looking for someone to, um, you know, to help with some of the IT stuff and help with like computers and but also, you know, help with some of their creative stuff and like, you know, content creation sort of stuff. And I was kind of more looking for an escape of the retail environment. And at the time. I thought that like corporate structure is exactly what I need. Like I need a cubicle where, you know, I can focus and I can come. There's a set schedule. That's what I need in my life because it, before that it would have it was completely scattered. And it was just like I have a retail job. And if you ever, you know, work in the retail space, you your hours fluctuate every week almost. And I took this job. And um, they gave me, you know, a bunch of IT assignments, but they also gave me a camera. The first camera was uh, a Canon 80D, I believe. Actually, they bought me a 60 first. And then I was like, oh, wait, this doesn't have, you know, I forgot what it didn't have. I was looking at some spec or something. And so I had them get me an 80D mm-hmm. and I completely like gravitated towards the um like the creative side that they were offering me, that they were asking me to, to build for them. And I was going out on like their work conventions and and filming, you know, I don't even know what I was filming. They didn't really have a role for it. They were just like film something and make something out of it. And so they were kind of trying to establish what their creative vision was um, along with me. And so um, it was very open-ended and what it, what it allowed me to do at the very beginning was kind of create or, or, work in a space where there was enough grace for me to mess up and mm. be forgiven for it, where there wasn't so much on the line, yeah. right? Like there wasn't like a big, you know, producer budget on the line. It, it was a, a good space for me to learn the fundamentals of, I guess, a camera, yeah. um, you know, what a wide angle lens looked like compared to a, you know, a telephoto lens or, you know, so it gave me a, a good uh, place to mess up and make some mistakes and really get my, feel around the whole process because they also made me do some editing too Mm -hmm. and I was able to really dig into some editing programs and kind of see you know get my first taste of the workflow that is video production so after a year of that I was like it was funny because I kind of realized that like even though I thought a corporate job was what I wanted, it was like I was suffocating in there. The only thing yeah. I loved was this camera. I was like, I love this camera, but I hate coming to work. It is death in here. It's like, you know, I, I had to realize it was a good thing for me to go a year in that because it made me realize that it was okay for me to to be a little scatterbrained and to thrive in scattered kind of yeah. environments. I think that's not, that's not a bad thing, and I had to – it took me going – to the opposite spectrum to realize that that was okay to be able to go into an environment that was kind of crazy and hectic and be able to thrive yeah. um so it took me that year to realize that and then after a year uh, i have a couple friends who own um uh, um basically they own a their concert promoters but they do all the production for it too and I'd been good friends with them. They go to my church and they said, um, hey, we're looking for some people to make a, a promo edit, essentially, for one of their concerts. Yeah, And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I kind of knew how to edit by then and, you know, the basics of Final Cut Pro. And um, I put something together and I they loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a few more for them and that slowly turned into... Um, retainer they offered me a a a retainer a monthly retainer and i was blown away it was it was like it wasn't a lot but it was just enough for me to like quit my job and be able to like really take it seriously so i took that retainer and i quit the corporate world and um, i jumped into the freelance life full-time Um, and that's kind of where everything kind of started and everything was a roller coaster from there, but perhaps we'll get into that. Uh, But that was kind of the start of everything for me back in 2016.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, dude. It's kind of funny because you're saying, you know, you didn't go to film school and film school, you know, is ultimately, it's a safe place where if you fall on your face and it doesn't work, it's safe. But for you, that corporate job kind of was that. You know what I mean? Like you can try things. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not the end of the world. Whereas, you know, if you just hop into the mainstream industry right away, they're not near as forgiving. Um, but yeah, dude, no, that's, that's cool. So then how did you, um, like, obviously now you're working on bigger productions, you know, a lot bigger scale. Um, how did you make the jump from, because I know there's a lot of people who are doing, um, you know, concert video and footage and stuff, and there's a huge mark for that, like in the touring world, but how did you make that jump? Because, um, while they're both their own kind of, kind of genre, you know, there is a very big difference. So how did you make kind of the jump and how did you adapt into being like a DP?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, when I started working with this company, they're called Transparent Productions. Amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, it started as like promo editing, like from existing footage. Um, so I got my feet wet with editing, and that slowly turned into, hey, le- we need footage for like new concerts. Like, mm-hmm. can you come and film like and just make like a highlight reel? And so I was like, heck yeah, that sounds amazing. By that time, I had purchased uh, an A7S Mark II, a Sony camera. And there was yeah. like this huge A7S like, trend on YouTube and around the socials and stuff. And so I jumped on it, and I loved the body. I was like, sweet, yeah, heck yeah. I got a 24 to 70. And I just started filming a bunch of stuff um, at their concerts. And um, one of the first promos I made, or like highlight reels, I guess, recaps, we would call them, was... Um, I I like put my all into it because I was I was loving doing it. And I put everything I was like, I just put so much effort into it. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it it like blew them away um, and they really loved it. And they thought it was something that they never saw uh, before It was like, this is amazing. Like they were so excited about it. And um, I was excited about it, too, because I really loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that turned into me, you know, continually um, filming for them and and doing, I think I did like two years total with them. Um, That, again, was like another, I guess, uh, platform for me. There wasn't as much grace to have to, you know, make mistakes, but they're they're not a production company in that they thrive off of content. They thrive off of live events. And Mm -hmm. so their main stream of income isn't like, Based, I'm not on the line essentially whether my work is good or not, yeah. Um, and so it allowed me to practice the run and gun kind of filmmaking, which I think a lot of people kind of, you know, they find themselves in to begin with, whether it's weddings or they're filming for events or concerts or. You know, it, but that allowed me to kind of work on the fly, and and there's a lot that goes into run and gun, uh, regardless of what type of run and gun you're doing. Like, it, it kind of forces you to make quick decisions. Um, it gives you an idea of what to look for. You know, it trains you without even knowing yeah. it. It really trained me to to be able to adapt to any situation, um, and it really trained me without knowing it to be. Um, able to deal with ambiguity in in certain circumstances because you never really know if there's going to be rain or if, you know, it's going to be completely dark or, you know, it it was just, it it allowed me to stretch, you know, those fundamentals I learned in the corporate world. Um, It allowed me to kind of stretch those and kind of threw me to the wolves in in a certain way Mm -hmm. um, without there being too much on the line. And so that was really fun. Um, But in as I continued that, I started to get like, um, other clients, uh, that weren't necessarily in the event space. I had a, I had another friend who um, owns a a creative agency and they were getting their, their wheels rolling with video and photo and they specialized in beauty. Mm -hmm. And so I was good friends with them and they brought me in to do like Video of you know, their models like putting on makeup or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my first videos was it was kind of like a highlight reel of just the model in front of a seamless backdrop because that's all I knew. I knew how to do like flashy stuff, yeah. ne- nece- not necessarily story driven, but I knew how to like make it flashy and mm-hmm. not have to rely on a story. And it wasn't long form, it was very short form, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Um and so I knew how to make it really flashy. Um the color wasn't the best in like some <laughs> of those first shots and even the compositions um but I found a way and I think a lot of people feel this way as well. I found a way to fix it in post a lot yeah. Yeah. and like create, you know, overlays or frames within frames that were able to like you know or cropped images on top of other cropped images that kind of you know, broke a lot of the traditional rules of editing and like your cut, your jump cuts. Like I just like, I didn't really learn those rules. I just like, let me just make it look cool. What I see might look, what I think might look cool to me. And they ended up loving it. And so I was able to kind of wow them and, you know, continue on with that. And then that started to build into as this creative agency, they didn't have a studio. We were just filming by a big open window um, and as we grew, they're like, OK, we actually need to light something like we can't like we can't just rely on the window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but like one day it was cloudy and like inconsistent look. And so mm-hmm. um, they asked me to bring in some lights. And that's you know, little by little taught me how to light a face, which I'm super grateful for that. I started it kind of in the beauty yeah, world was-, was because it it just kind of taught me how to light a face. You yeah. know, it was all high key and it was all bright stuff and it needed to be lit in certain ways. And so that gave me the kind of um, fundamentals of how to light a face. And from there, um, I kept sharing my work and, you know, push my work out there. And, you know, little by little, I started getting, you know, Tapping into more beauty clients and um, did started doing a lot of fashion. I know you mentioned I did some music videos, but I actually don't do much music music mm-hmm. videos. I have done them before, yeah. but
0: oh, I just meant more more in terms of like a lot of your stuff is musically paced. Do you know what I mean? Like the, oh yeah, totally. Like it's, it's very very musically driven, and not even necessarily musically driven, but kind of like sound design and and rising and falling and stuff. And I think what I like too about um, even just what you're saying is you're like you know I. I kind of started to break the rules with composition and that, that and everything. And I think that's good because, you know, they say like in baseball, sometimes a pitcher will be really messy when they find him and then they clean up his technique and that kind of spark is gone, you know. So for, for you, being able to not even have learned like the, the quote unquote correct way of doing it, it kind of allowed you to just be a little bit more creative and not overthink everything.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, we'll probably get into this later, but like there, there's a benefit of, not of doing things the wrong way first. And that's why I put so much value in those 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 early platforms I had whether it was the corporate world or in the trans at transparent productions where I was able to have that grace of making those mistakes because there's a lot of really cool things that came out of those mistakes that maybe someone would consider like not usable but I was yeah. like heck yeah this like this is so like I used I would ride the iso on my A7S2 for the exposure like i didn't know what the heck that was doing to my image (laughs) like i'd go to like a crazy you know and back back when that camera didn't have a dual native iso so it was like i would just ride the iso (laughs) and it was like grainy is as is so grainy and i was like yeah, i don't care let me make it into a film grain look you know and so you know i I kind of embraced a lot of the a lot of those things and so yeah that kind of yeah that that kind of turned into a lot of other clients, a lot of other things, and it, and then I started. I think the transition when I started calling myself a DP and is when uh, I started kind of taking personal. I, I started taking personal responsibility for the way the image looked mm-hmm. overall. Like it, it was personal to me. If it didn't look good, I was in a bad mood. Yeah. And I'll, and and as I started to learn about film roles, I was like. I think I'm a DP. (laughs) I think I'm a director of photography. And, you know, people have different names for it. I don't really care for what I'm called. I do that more so for the clients I want. Um, But I just love making amazing images. And I think when you start to take personal responsibility for what an image looks like, whether it's the lighting, whether it's props, whether it's the, the talent, then I think you're on to something good in the film world, whether you become a DP or a gaffer or a director or a yeah. producer, whatever you, when you start feeling that personal responsibility without anyone even asking you
0: yeah.
1: um, of what, you know, you start feeling that sort of pressure of making it, the image look good mm-hmm. or it, it bothers you that like, there's not a light in the background somewhere or, you yeah. know, these weird things are personally attacking you. Um, that's kind of a telltale sign that you might have a future in film or photography.
0: That's awesome, bro. No, I, I really like what you're saying. And I think that's a good way to look at it because yeah, otherwise, you know, it's kind of just a job, right? You know, like if you're, if you're lower in the, in the department and you know, you're kind of just making sure your job is done. That's kind of, and that's fine. Like, to, there's people who have to do that and that is their job. But as soon as you start feeling that I know what you mean, like I'll I'll be at work and I'll see something and I'm like, dude, it's really bothering me. And I'm like, (laughs) people will be like, what? And I'm like, "Uh," they're like, no, no, it's fine. And I'm like, bro, I I just, I need to fix it. Um, no, dude, That's a, that's a crazy journey, man. And I think it's a really good way. And the way you're kind of looking at it, like, you know, not necessarily following the rules and kind of just doing, doing it the way that you want to do it. Um, So let's kind of fast forward to today. Today, um, you know, you're working with a lot bigger clients. You're doing it a lot more regularly. How do you bring in new clients? Like I know you're saying a lot of it is from friends and from kind of word of mouth. Are you with an agency or is it all you kind of behind the scenes running it?
1: Um, Yeah, it's a it's a number of different things. I think the, the clients come from all over. I think the main ones, though, are from I actually... Uh, The the same guy who brought me on to a retainer at Transparent Productions, he also does artist management. Um, He did a lot of artist management for musicians at first and and music artists. um, But he stopped kind of doing that and um, he started doing uh, a photographer. And and Mm -hmm. so he started repping a photographer and then um, they had been working together for... 10 plus years now. And then he was the same guy after a few years of me kind of doing the transparent thing and, and starting to build my own clientele. He he and the photographer that he repped, they invited me out to to uh, lunch and they asked me if, if I wanted to jump on his roster. Um, at the time, it was just a photographer and it wasn't really a roster. And I think that's by design. I don't think he necessarily wants to have
0: a ton of people. A, a
1: big roster of people. He wants to keep it tight. In fact, to this day, it's just me and the other photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. I didn't know what was happening at that <laughs> lunch. I was like blown away that people would even take me seriously and think I was worth it. There's a yeah. lot of like insecurities that come with a lot of people, even in the creative world. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, what the heck? And so that... Um, we're in year three now and that's where I get, they already had established a huge book of business in the beauty world and the fashion world. Um, the photographer does a ton of fashion photography. Um, and now I just kind of inherited all of their, um, clients. Um, and so, um, Jared, he'll go out and you know, he's, he's already talking to their existing book of clients in their existing People that they work with already, and they're saying, "Hey, we know you have photography, but um, here's a a video package that we, you know, we they're together. We can kind of all lump it, and so it made it really easy for me to jump on to a lot of them. Um, It is kind of a struggle sometimes, though, um, even now because I I find myself as the the DP on a photo set, and that's a completely different. it's a completely different set than a video set. And so there are those kind of struggles and challenges in in themselves. But um, I'd say that's where I get a lot of my clients. Um, But I think for those of you who are listening who don't have an agent or a rep, like a lot of it comes from as well, um, my own marketing. And and like you kind of mentioned, you touched on it before is like where I, I push a lot of my content out not only the finished mm-hmm. products but now i'm learning the last year or two that people really value um the behind the scenes and, totally. and the and the why behind the what yeah um and the how I, too, I, I have a, the how yeah the why yeah. and the how behind how you got the you know what you got and i kind of poured all my eggs into that basket. Um, I have a, I have a Facebook group that kind of blew up that's dedicated just to film production breakdowns and BTS, um, where people share, uh, yeah, the why and the how behind the what. And so, um, I think that not only got landed me a lot of clients, um, because of course I pushed that onto my socials everywhere I am. I'm pushing, I'm pushing as much content as I can behind the scenes content. I haven't really done TikTok yet. <laughs> I f- I fear that my generation is like the one generation before t- like I, I just I'm trying to understand it. Same, bro. But honestly. um <laughs> I don't get and it. And it's bro. tough. There's there's a lot of like work that goes into pushing your content, but that's a lot of people have to realize that that is marketing mm-hmm. today. Like especially totally. if you're freelance in any world whether you're a writer a DP, a photographer, whatever lane you're in, I feel like if you're not pushing content out, you're not necessarily marketing yourself. Yeah. And so and it, it's, it, the buck doesn't stop with just like the final image. Like that's yeah. becoming old these days. Like yeah. people are like, okay, yeah, I've seen a, a frame grab that looks great. But like people want to see the process and how it's done. And so a lot of my content is around that on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, but I think the other side of that, that I didn't actually realize was going to be a benefit of being able to post that, that sort of content um, was it also kind of informed my client of the level that I want to see myself at and where I, I, I am at. And so mm-hmm. like when I start posting these like big, you know, big productions that I'm on and I start, you know, I, I, I do the rig pick of Alexa mini or, you know, whatever the case yeah. is. Um, I want, I want to educate them and show them that I'm not, like, a guy showing up with a DSLR and just, totally. like, kind of, like, you know, you know. And some people are at that level, and I'm not down-talking that because I was at that level for four years until I, tr- I like, I felt like I broke through. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm still very, like, small. I say that <laughs> humbly. I'm very small compared to the people I see, and there's a whole conversation that can be had about, um Imposter syndrome and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Um, but yeah, I going back to it that content that I was pushing not only helped land clients, um, but it also educated new clients and existing clients that, like, hey, I am bringing a crew, I am bringing a grip yeah. van, I am bringing a grip truck. Like that sort of has this um, without saying it, a price tag. Like they kind of yeah. know, like what they're getting into. They're not going to totally. pay me, you know. They they kind of expect that this is going to come. With a price tag, and so I'm starting to land those clients who who prefer to have a crew, who won't hire me unless I have a crew, mm-hmm. um, who won't, you know, hire me. You know, I'm not I'm not getting the clients that want me to do um, the smaller stuff that you know is low hanging fruit, and it's yeah. perhaps it could pay a little bit, but you know, I'm not really getting those. Um, so I think the it was really good for me to to kind of have that realization. And I, I guess another I'm kind of blabbering, but another little branch off of that is that the biggest takeaway was like always share content that is above where you think you're at right now. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you're on you're still only on, you know, you're the single man solo. But, but let's say you have this one, you know, PA job that you're on a bigger set, like mm-hmm. take a bunch of photos. I mean, clear it with the producer first, yeah. but like take a bunch of photos and like you know, just start sharing that stuff. And like, you know, obviously you can't take credit for a lot of it, but you can like share, share the level, share the content that shows the level above where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, And try to only share that sort of content Mm -hmm. so that, you know, you can be viewed and, and hired for those level gigs. And, you know, one of my, one, one thing that my rep told me, Jared was you want to, in scaling, you want to bend and not break. And so, Mm -hmm just like trying to get to that next level. Don't, don't try to skip to the, you know, being, you know, the next Roger Deakins because it's, you're going to break. Yeah. Um, but like, maybe, maybe you have an, a, a second shooter or maybe you have an AC or, or mm-hmm. a gaffer, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, to answer your question, that's, those are kind of the two main ways I, I get new clients, but our, our goal is to retain clients yeah. um, and be able to continue to work with the same clients. And so, Um, Hopefully there will be new clients, but I think we are defining success as not necessarily new clients, but more so retaining good quality clients so that we don't have to, you know, less is more as far as, you know, quantity versus quality.
0: Totally. And I think too, like as, as the clients grow, you grow with them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not having to meet them and then start at the bottom. And uh, no, I really like what you said. And that's a really good way of looking at it too, is, you know, I I post a lot of behind the scenes stuff and I know some people who only have their work on their socials and I think that's good. But at the same time, you know, um, for people to learn and also for clients to kind of realize how much you bring to a project, it is important to definitely be posting that kind of stuff. That's a really, that's a really good point. I never actually thought of it that way. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's been working for me thus far, and so I'm just I'm saying this because I'm actually not as big as what I show I am. <laughs> it's true. Like I don't. Ma- the majority of my gigs are pretty low key, but like I'll have you know a few gigs that I will take so many photos on and do a bunch of videos on. Yeah, you
0: gotta I'll, get the phone. Yeah, out yeah. Like it. I'll
1: hire a BTS yeah. person just for this gig, <laughs> the one gig I got this year that actually I use a freaking crane or whatever. But yeah. So that's, 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 it kind of works for me.
0: No, that's good, man. Um, Where are you looking to go in the future then? Are you looking to kind of stay in the short form world or do you want to get more into like shorts, features, TV? Um, Because I've said in the past, you know, it's, it's kind of two different beasts. You know, if you look at a big set, like a union set, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, with maybe ten of them having any creative say whatsoever, whereas with the smaller stuff, um, you know, they're quicker turnarounds, you see results quicker, but it's also the, the chance of you being able to have some input is a bit higher.
1: Yeah, that that's a that's a good question. And I think that I've always wanted to, you know, you always see these big, massive sets with like hundreds of people on a feature Hollywood, you know, like a proper Yeah. And yours, like that's so cool. Uh, but I've realized the bigger my sets get, the less I enjoy them. Um, and like, yeah, there's the there. I, I'm finding that there's a sweet spot um, as far as size of, of a set and size of a crew um, that allows yeah. you to be be close enough, but not kill yourself trying to do everything, and it to be good enough yeah. because there's definitely you're definitely gonna have, uh, you know, you're gonna need a crew to to. You know, pull off some of the things that you're seeing, but a lot of times the the tools and everything that we have in in this day and age is so accessible that you don't necessarily need a massive crew. You can kind of pull off um, some of the cool looks yeah. with a smaller crew. Um, and so, um, as far as where I want to go, I I've always wanted to. Um, I'm getting the itch recently to like do some passion stuff and get into the feature world um, whether that's a short or something. Um, but it's really difficult because it's so busy right now with work. And I say that humbly and gratefully because I I love working. Um, it's so busy and, and anything I do in the future world, or if I try to approach it, I know that it's going to be out of pocket for now because it's going to, I want to have that control and I want to be able to, um, Again, not be too big to where it's not enjoyable. I want it to be very low key so that it's very intimate in in the whole process. Whether it's you know a crew of five and no more. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I, in the future I want to be able to scale my my client work to where I have two or three retainer clients um, a month that are paying all the bills and then some, and, and I can kind of compartmentalize that and say okay. I have some space to where now I can, um, dedicate to some passion stuff. Um,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know if that'll ever come because I'm like the type of personality that I'm like, let's just keep working, stay busy. Like I get excited when we lend a client that's like, you know, I get excited to, to be on set and have these productions. Um, but it's always been a, a hard question for me to answer. And I think I finally realized why, um, as far as like goals and stuff and where I see myself. Um, I, I actually don't I don't I don't necessarily see an end goal for me like there's no I don't say this to say like I'm going to be amazing or anything. I'm saying like I never want there to be a landing spot where I say I've accomplished because every yeah. time I every time I, I do get to a point where I like ten, like five years back, I was saying that was my goal and, and, and I actually meet it like the, by the time I've met that goal, I'm like, well, that my goals have changed now. And I, I want to do something completely different or, or bigger, or, you know, whether it's a pivot or not, like I find that like my goals are always getting bigger by the time I've met them, you know, and they change. And so I guess I, my, that, the answer to that question is I never want to stop growing. And that sounds so cheesy and cliche, but I, I, truly don't ever want to stop i i I guess i never want to land anywhere i just want to keep going i think immediately to answer that question i've been looking into um building out a studio and having a smaller production um uh company that's not just me for so long i was like yeah. i'm the dp kind of pretentious <laughs> like i'm the dp <laughs> if a client comes to me they have to work all that that crap out like do all pre-production you mm-hmm. hire me when you need you have all your eggs in a you like everything in a row and like yeah. Like you hire me when everything's figured out. I, the, the the boards are there. I just need to come in and do everything and, and shoot shoot the boards. Like I don't want to have to deal with all that. But yeah. but now that that's when I started to realize like okay maybe that's not as enjoyable. Like I kind of want to be part of the process and be a little bit more intimate in yeah. pre pro. And so I think having a smaller agency or not even an agency, just a, a, a family uh, of core dudes mm-hmm. or 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 chicks who can come into the studio where we'll have like a decent sized psych, um, a couple editing bays and we have like our little workflow. Um, I don't necessarily want to be a millionaire. I don't necessarily want to make thousands and thousands of dollars. I don't necessarily have the aspirations to crush every other agency around me. I just want to have a little family around me where we can just be working and everyone's having fun. And we have the space to do lens tests and get nerdy and get techie. Um, yeah. And just have that come up, um, uh, camaraderie with with a with a small little tight knit crew um, and I think I see myself kind of keeping it at that level and whether we get big clients who want us to take on you know something that's bigger than we can you know bigger than we can bite, then then we will try it but like I, I think immediately I want to I see myself in like a smaller production family I guess you can call it uh, but yeah I never want to land anywhere I, I always want to keep learning and growing
0: That's awesome, dude. And yeah, I think it's honestly, I think it's a pretty healthy way to look at it because if you have like a a ceiling, you know, you get there and then all of a sudden you're like, well, now what do I do? Yeah. You know, like, so I think it's, and especially with how much the industry changes, you know, not necessarily like the actual craft, but the way people do what I mean, like 20 years ago, no one was networking over social media. So yeah, like the camera, the cameras have changed, but now, you know, you got to have a website, you got to have socials, you got to have all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's a pretty, pretty healthy way to look at it. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think we'll hop into the second part now. So these are just the three questions that I ask everybody and there's no right or wrong answer, but Um, You know, just with the with the different people we've had on the podcast, it's been really interesting to see how some people will say, oh, this is what I recommend. This is what I recommend. And, you know, it can be totally different. And again, there's no really right answer, but it's just really interesting to hear um, the different perspectives. So the first one, I know you didn't do film school. So a lot of people, the question is, do you think film school is worth it or would you rather teach yourself? And I think for you asking that. I know you didn't go to school. Are there times that you wish you did or is it more just that I'm happy I kind of went the way I did?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. For everyone, it's different. Just like in, in grade school, you everyone has their own way to learn. Some people learn better than, the, than others. So it's subjective. But, but for me, the way I see it is um, film school is, I think film school's Awesome. And that's contrary to popular, you know, recent belief. Like there's a lot of people yeah. who trash talk it, but I, yeah. I kind of wish I would have went um, because as I started out, obviously not having gone to film school, I was racking my brain and there's a lot of stress and there was a lot of like uncertainty and just like how the, for example, how the heck, how the heck do people do this? Like I'm by myself <laughs> I'm like, I have yeah. to set up all these lights and get this camera ready and like record these two cameras at the same time. I'm like for, for so many years I was so stressed out and I could have saved okay. so much stress because I feel like one of the things that you learn is roles and yeah. um, positions oh, yeah. on, a, on a proper film production. Even if it's a small one, you kind of understand yeah. that there's um, you know, that there, there's responsibility is it's a village. Like everyone holds the production up and Um, I would have saved myself so much stress, um, because I just didn't know that. And I didn't know. And I was like, it almost, there was times where I was so discouraged because it didn't come out the way I wanted to, because I didn't have an opportunity to change a light or do something rather. And if I'd went to film school and I had the peace of mind of knowing like, oh yeah, like down the road, I'll be able to have a first AC. Like I'm not stressing out Mm -hmm. right now because yeah, of course I'm by myself, but like, Perhaps I would have had a lot of friends to to call and like network with, yeah. and say like, "Hey, jump on me, j- jump on, don't jump on me, but jump on this project with me, <laughs> and yeah. like help me out with gripping or gaffing or whatever the case may be." Like yeah. I never had peace of mind growing up in not growing up, but in my my filmmaking journey because I didn't realize that there were the that there was a crew, and it's only been mm-hmm. recently the last couple of years that I've started to really understand that there is a crew that helps you with this stuff. And there's people who are as passionate as I am about lighting and image yeah. the, the, uh, the, as they as they are with, like, putting stands together and putting lights together yeah. or pro- uh, production design or, you know, makeup. There's people who are so passionate about those things. And after that, it became like, oh, let me find those people. And now that I'm starting to work in bigger crews, it's like, holy crap, this is amazing. And yeah. so, for that, in that regard, I feel like um, film school is really great because there's a lot of networking opportunities there. Um, I think another aspect of of film school is you kind of get to be hands on with some of the, you know, more industry standard um, equipment like cameras and, yeah. and lighting, and um, that that's a two part thing because while you do get an understanding of it, I feel like some film. Um, students come out thinking they need to use that stuff. And sure, yeah. it'll deliver a great image, but we're in a day and age where technology is just exponentially advancing to where yeah. any camera can do it. You know, you always hear any camera, you know, at recently, if you're on YouTube, every camera works. Like you can shoot yeah. a film on a, a $1,200 pocket camera if you wanted to. Yeah. And so, um, but on the other hand, of film school and having not gone to film school, um I think for me I'm if I were to do it all over again, um, well, that's a hard question to answer, but <laughs> I'm grateful that I that I didn't because of this um, while it was stressful, I learned and had to I, I had to learn every aspect of a production and Dude. doing everything myself and I was forced to... Um, I was forced to be the grip. I was forced to be the gaffer. I was forced to be the director. I was forced to be the DP. H- at times, I was forced to be like, like uh, a hairstylist because I was like at fixing <laughs> yeah. hair, you know, like <laughs>
0: fixing the hair. So yeah. I
1: had, I didn't have a choice. I had to do it because I just didn't. I thought that was how it worked. Like I, that's my responsibility. Um, that that alone helped me get through COVID. Um, yeah. That alone helped me. Um, hire the right crew uh, because I knew what I wanted and I was able to find that in other people. Um, And with the COVID thing, before COVID, I started working in crews. Um, But when you had to go to, um, you know, when COVID hit and you, you couldn't be like a 10 man crew, you you had to strip back. Like I was okay with being by myself because I had learned that that's the way I was brought up in it. Like, I was brought up being all the positions and I knew the different shortcuts of like, you know, OK, now I'm going to I'm going to do autofocus on this and I'm going to do like a onboard mic. And, you know, I knew the little shortcuts yeah. to really make my life a lot easier. Again, the run and gun um, yeah, things man. that I was learning, like all that stuff came by, you know, it, it was very second nature to me and was very yeah. easy for me to like pick back up and I was able to thrive in the covid um, kind of area or time i know we're kind of still in it now um but i was able to kind of thrive in that and not have to you know scram and be like oh crap like i can't bring a crew on like there's no way i can do this like some people some people who haven't gone to film school not all um but some people haven't gone to film school are almost paralyzed by the fact that they um, they really only maybe they l- learned a little bit about everything, but they really only gravitated towards one thing, and they only learned how to be an AC um, or yeah. only learned how to be a grip. And now they they don't have a job now because they it's hard for them to break out of that mold and understand the, the camera. And so, um, totally, I guess I could say I I'm grateful having not gone to film school because it made me more of a well-rounded. Um, I guess filmmaker or DP or whatever you want to call me. Yeah. I'm not grateful for having not gone to film school because yeah. uh, there's a lot of stress in that. And, and um, I guess to answer your question again, I think I would, I probably wouldn't go to film school again um, because I liked that. I learned the hard way in my life. I grew up in the ghetto. I grew up like things were rough at home, uh, but it yeah. built character um, and totally. it built like um, a certain sort of edge in, in myself that allows me to be adaptable and deal with ambiguity in ways that I think people who are kind of nurtured and carefully coddled into a certain path um, don't have yeah. the ability to kind of do. So um, I don't think I'd go to film school again. Also, there's so many resources online that you can just teach yourself. And so, yeah, I, everyone's different.
0: It's also really expensive too. Totally. Yeah. No, that's that's cool, man. And I think I think you know what you're saying. You're like, oh, learning all the rules was stressful. But at the same time, now that you're in a spot where you're getting bigger crews, because you've done everything, you know what to look for in people that you want to work with. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, when I was first starting out, I struggled with doing this. I like how that person does it. I'm going to bring them on.
1: Yeah, totally. You're able to kind of explain what you want, too. Like, that's part of the other thing. You're able to communicate with them because you know you know as opposed to someone there's a lot of like even on the union jobs like there's a lot of dp's who they butt heads with some of their crews or even you know a gaffer to a grip there's relationship headbutting because yeah. they don't have the understanding of what it totally. what they're asking for they think that they're going on the grip truck and they're saying they're asking for the world and they may not realize that they just asked for a crazy job, a crazy. Mm-hmm. They asked a big ask from from that grip, um, mm-hmm. and so there's a there's an understanding of you know, hey, I've been I've been down that that route before. I know what it's like. I've been in the trenches of that role, um, mm-hmm. so I kind of know. There's just this sort of um, chemistry that that is a again a lot of intangibles advantages of not having gone to film school. On the same token, though. Like, I know people who have gone to film school who prefer film school who are thriving. Like, there's a lot of people I mm-hmm. look up to who are thriving and have taken advantage yeah. of their um, their networking abilities and the things that they've learned and are doing great. And so I think anyone who's listening, um, if you're asking whether to go to film school or not, I think you first need to um, figure out who you are. And I always preach mm-hmm. this is like self-awareness is the start to anything any decision totally. you're going to make is just being self-aware and understanding yourself. And uh, once you know yourself, you know the the environments you thrive in. That you know your advantages. You know where if you're a fast learner, if you're a slow learner, if you are, you know. The more you know yourself, the better you can chart out a path for you to take that will be most efficient and get you to whatever you know goals you have the fastest and most efficiently. Um, so it starts with self-awareness. There's no yeah. good or bad wrong or right answer to go to film school or not go to film school. Um, yeah
0: no that's some those are some really good points and I think um, the next question kind of ties into that a little bit. you know you're saying um, you know you, you had to kind of figure things out on your own. Do you prefer to buy gear or rent gear? Like I know it's a little bit different when you're doing bigger projects where you know it's an Alexa, or it's a red, and it's a huge investment that may not be usable in like five years, but in the beginning, you know, you had a camera, whether it was yours or whether it was works, you had access to it and you could kind of play with it and fall on your face. Um, yeah. where do you Where are you at now? Are you, do you own your gear or do you prefer to rent?
1: I own a lot of gear. Like I own a decent amount of grip. A ton of lighting. Um, I own a few cameras, um, and it's a it's a it's an interesting question because um, again, it goes back to like self awareness. Like for me, I'm in LA. I can easily go rent something and like drive yeah. down the road and grab it, um, or go to a rental house. Um, but for me, for me, I, I prefer to own it, and I got to be careful with that answer because I don't want people to think that this is what they should do because it's very you can go either way yeah yeah it's very subjective but for me i knew that i don't like a bunch of logistics and producing and like i want to have the flexibility of you know going into my garage and just pulling out the gear i need and not having to worry about driving somewhere you know the night before and maybe they're missing a a cable or something or Mm -hmm. you know maybe you know you know whatever the case is like i don't i don't like having to there's already enough going on in my mind preparing for this job yeah. Um, or a, a, a production, whether I'm looking at storyboards or whether I'm gathering references or whether I'm talking with directors, hiring crew. Like there's already enough things on my plate that I have to do, um, at least at my level currently, um, that I'm still responsible for that I just don't feel like going to drive and like, you know picking up gear, dropping it off. Like I'm tired after a shoot. I don't want to have to yeah. get up the next day and totally. like drive back and drop it off. And I forgot a screw. Um, for some people, mm. it's like that's easy to do and that they prefer that rather than spending the money. But for me, like <laughs> I guess you can call me lazy, but like I just want my gear ready. I know my gear. Yeah. Um, and that's the other part of it is it allows me to practice with that gear anytime I want. Um, I remember I did rent. um this was way back, but I rented, I forgot what I rented. It was a, I think it might've been an Alexa and I just did not know. No, it was a red, it was a red Gemini and I didn't know, really know how to use it. And sure, I, it was my first time renting it, but, um, there's a difference between owning and renting because you start to learn your camera. You learn, you almost learn the timing of it. Like, yeah, like if you rent a red camera, like, 10 times in a month or then perhaps yeah that's better for you but you start to yeah. learn like it's it's sweet spots where to expose it you get to practice with it a lot mm-hmm. you know where the, the the tools are some some cameras have like custom buttons where it's already mapped and yeah. you don't want to spend time like assigning those so like it kind of it, it helps me to practice my my gear lighting mm-hmm. lighting's the same way like you know how bright this can get. Like you know which lights you're going to need for you know the, the boards that you're going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what colors you're, you're looking for. Um, one thing I I am still renting a little bit is some of the specialty grip stuff. But I'm start I'm planning on buying that stuff anyway. Like um, I used to rent a big junior boom arm, um, mm-hmm. but now I, I just bought one and I like I love it. And so. Um, Yeah. Some of the specialty stuff I'll rent or if the client's requesting something like an anamorphic lens, then maybe I'll go and rent. But like I like renting gear. And then the third part of that um, is so I know I'm again blabbing, but the I don't even remember the first part of it. Oh, first part, I'm lazy. (laughs) Second part, I want to learn. I want to know my gear. And the third part is now I get to rent my gear out, and I'm I'm making not a ton, but I'm making a decent amount on ShareGrid, and this is very uh, it's it depends on where you are in your your market, but I'm again I'm in L.A. and Orange County specifically, and people are renting so much from me, and I have so much gear now that I am able to rent rent it out and make a lot back, and I'm making a decent amount because I have so much of the gear, and I have industry standard gear um and yeah. so um i'm making a decent amount back and so i get a, a big thing that's important with that too is like if you're going to buy gear like make sure it's it's not gimmick gear like make sure mm. it's it's like standard stuff yeah yeah like c stands and like you know like cameras that are not you know i don't know just like or, or the easy rig or yeah. stuff that like i try to stay away from buying the stuff that you can only use for one camera for instance like yeah. this ca- this like this can only be used with the red komodo well i don't want to buy that because i can't bring it to the next camera that i have and so you'll see yeah. on my page i have a lot of lighting i have a lot of monitors mm-hmm. um Teradex stuff um, you know carts like like camera carts yeah. um those are like life savers man yeah like stuff Stuff that makes your job easier that you can take from camera to camera, or you can you can take it on any set. So just be smart about your um, your investments if if you're gonna be buying gear. Um, so yeah, I think a good part of renting though too is like you get to kind of you get to kind of practice a little bit if you if you can't necessarily afford. You can kind of like mm-hmm. test out different things. And I still rent a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. But renting is more me, just like feeding that that like unhealthy like i just want to shoot on a red or something i you know i just want to look cool i could easily shoot it on a pocket but i just wanted to feel cool and that's that's valuable that's like actually like the way you feel as you shoot regardless of the image that comes out of it is important like you want to feel confident on set and if if you rent an easy rig and a big gimbal and a, you throw a freaking Alexa mini LF on there and you're yeah. shooting for a social media, Instagram 15 second yeah. acquisition, and, yeah. then like do it, like do it because yeah, it makes you feel good. Um, but you know, there's, there's a huge balance with that. Um, so yeah.
0: That's awesome, bro. The, no, the rental thing is something I actually haven't heard on the podcast. Obviously I know people who rent their gear out, but that is a really good way. And like you said, you kind of have to, to spend the money in order for people wanting to rent it from you. But yeah, it is. And especially like if you say, do you know what I mean? Like you got a week that's quieter and you're like, oh, someone wants to rent my stuff. It's money and you're just sitting at home, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Man, it's the best feeling when when you're sitting at home <laughs> on your butt and your your camera's yeah. out there making money for you. It's, it's really cool. I, I have a lot of gear now and it's like it rents out all the time. And so it's, yeah, it's awesome. And it's gear that I use, like I use them on every production. And so, um, I figure if I use them, you know, other people use them too.
0: That's awesome, bro. Well, the last one I kind of want to get into, um, is just the, the line of like kind of interning or working for free, you know, obviously with balance, I think it's something that everyone has to do in this kind of industry. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Um, I do test shoots, um, all the time and like concept shoots. Mm -hmm. Where I'm not necessarily like the goal isn't to try to get work or like I guess if you're looking at it like you want to appease the client and you want to gain more clients. Um, That's a different story. But like I do a lot of like test shoots for free um, where I gather a bunch of people and say like, hey, this is just for portfolio purposes where we can kind of try to come up. We have creative Um, you know, it's our decision. We can, it's up to us. Like there's no pressure. Nothing's on the line. Um, so in that regard, like I'm a huge fan of that. There's so much benefit that comes from that, especially if you have the time. Um, but if you're talking about like working for free when you're starting out, because you're not necessarily sure what your value is. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. And, um, I, I, I don't think I've ever worked for free in that regard. There's always been some sort of compensation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it it really depends. And I think it comes, it comes down to self-awareness again. I always go back to that. It's like, you have to kind of know your worth and you have to kind of, you know, bounce your ideas off of other people who you look up to and say, Hey, like, here's this thing that I did at home. I filmed my cat and like, here's this composition I used, like, give me your opinion. Like, should I yeah. be charging? Should I not? I think that if if you find yourself not charging, I think that you should charge. <laughs> Let me put it <laughs> simple. I think you should charge something. Um, even if it's for a trade, like yeah. like charge something because you're putting work into it, and you know a lot of people, especially if you're creative, We have a creative curse of not feeling good enough and not valuable. I deal with it every single day. And it's a daily decision that I have to talk to my fiance about and like reassure myself about that. Like I am good enough, you know, that like that's something especially with social media. You see everyone doing stuff like it's a bigger discussion than it is like not being paid or or I'm sorry, doing stuff for free. Like that's not, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about that. We're actually talking about, do you value yourself? And I think if you're putting in the work and you're making something, um, I think you need to value yourself. And I think that um, one of the ways that people value themselves is being compensated. And so Mm -hmm. the other hand, on the other hand, I think that if you don't have any work at all and you don't, have anything to show to actually you know, promote yourself and, and get the word out, then yeah. I think you kind of have to look at it like test shoots um, yeah. and maybe not necessarily working for a client for free. I wouldn't recommend working for a client for free because then pressure's on and like yeah. you have stuff is on the line
0: totally, and,
1: yeah. and it might not even be fun. It might be you're filming Manny's and it's like <laughs> not something that's a portfolio piece. Yeah. Um, I would I would encourage you to get a couple friends together, or maybe maybe even if it's your sibling or your family, or even if it's by yourself, go out there and film something on your iPhone or borrow a buddy's camera. Um, my first my first video was on a white MacBook Pro when I lived in Sydney, and I know you're from you're you're not from it doesn't sound like you're from there, but I know you're in Australia. But I went to college in Sydney, and my first video oh, I no made way. was with my laptop. It was the old white MacBook pros. Yeah. They were like white. And I was literally on my skateboard filming with my, <laughs> my laptop. I, uh, yeah, I did it all over. I still have it on YouTube. I'm going to actually post it on YouTube. It's so bad. But oh, um, but yeah, like it, and I wasn't necessarily going for like video. Like I didn't want to be a videographer or a DP or anything. I was just like bored one day just and I was off. It, yeah. Like I wasn't going to class or whatever. But yeah, like there's go film something, do a test shoot. You'd be surprised at the amount of people that want to get together and just do something creative. Yeah. Um, there's so many people, even at my level, that are like, we're doing so much client work. We're getting lost in the client work that's not necessarily creative that we need to, to feed our creative um, hunger. Yeah. So, that, so we force ourselves to go out. Uh, one of my friends, he forces himself to go out once a month and do a passion project or a concept shoot where he calls yeah. up a couple friends, maybe he has a model who wants to get you know their Instagram going or whatever the heck it is, yeah. and he goes and films them at the beach or something, and he puts that out. Let that be your free work. Um, yeah. And then someone's going to, you know, soon enough, whatever you're filming and you're putting out there, there's going to be someone who's going to ask you to film something, and they're going to ask, you know, what, what do you want to get paid, and put a number to it. Uh, if you have totally. to start with 300 at first, do 300 bucks for the thing um yeah. but i've noticed like as the as as i go on like we like my rep will be like he'll he'll bid a number and they'll be like yeah that's fine and like I'll, i'm like blown away because i thought that they <laughs> would i don't it's it's hard because i don't value myself at that but like yeah, other people yeah. do yeah. um and and so yeah that I, I know that's a long-winded answer but um but yeah i don't think you should work for a client for free the especially if you're doing it for the first time um, I'm, I'm just thinking of more thoughts here is that I did I actually did a free thing and it wasn't when I was starting it's when I was already established but it's because I really wanted to do it because I yeah. loved it um, yeah. I ended up getting compensated anyway because they just wanted to you know they appreciated it yeah, um, awesome. but I did some stuff for my church for their Easter thing and it was like look man I I love my church and I love, Mm -hmm. you know, what I love Jesus Christ and I love that, what that's all about. And so I want to do this for free because I I love it. And it, it's, it's more value for me to actually do it than it is money. Money is not the value here. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can look at it, but, um, but yeah, hopefully that helps someone.
0: No, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Especially, you know, when you're saying, um, you know, you find a lot of people don't charge Cause they don't really think they're worth the money, you know? And I think that's a lot more common than a lot of people want to, want to admit. Um, but yeah, dude, totally. I, I agree. You know, I think it's important to keep the creative juices flowing and, you know, once a month kind of getting some buddies together and just getting creative with it, man. I love it.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: That's awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with me, bro. Um, if people want to follow you on socials or check out your website, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, you can find me at, I mean, Instagram. Instagram. Is probably the main one. It's just my first and last name at Kevin Reyes. Um, And then I have a splash page. Join the Facebook group. I'm on YouTube. Um, But yeah, just hit me up. I try to make myself free at any point. And uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on. This this has been awesome. I love chatting with people who are just as passionate.
0: Awesome, man. Well, this has been the Just for Filmmakers podcast. I'm Justice Brooks. Thanks again, guys. Um, Kevin, dude, you had some great stuff to say. I'm really excited to share it with everybody.